The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Well, this weekend was D-Now weekend, and so we have all the kids up here. We had 45 students here with us this weekend, and, and we walked through kind of the, the book of First Thessalonians, and we, and we saw that Christ is going to come back, that we need to turn from our idols to God. We need to serve in every aspect of our, our lives. We need to serve him, and then we need to wait for his return. And so this morning, we are, are, we're going to continue to look at that. We're going to get an, an idea of, okay, what does that mean to turn from our idols, to turn to God, to, to serve, and to, to wait? And so I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and, and I want you to think about these in your life as I go through them. Uh, but first, I, I, I shared an illustration with the youth this weekend, and I, I want to share it with, with you guys. But how many of you have had to wait in a doctor's office? Yeah, right? It's boring. It is lame. How, what's the longest you've had to wait? Hours? Hours? Yeah. Yeah, and what'd you do? You sat there. And you were bored, and you did nothing, and it was, it, was, it was lame. You wasted all that time. You wasted all that time just sitting there. Caitlin and I, we were, at, we were at a doctor's office a few months ago, and I was sitting there, and I had my phone with me, and I was just scrolling, just scrolling, just scrolling, just scrolling, just scrolling. And 30 minutes went by, my thumb was cramping, and I was like, what did I just do for the last 30 minutes? So I put my phone down, and I, I looked around. And I, I started to look at other people waiting. And I thought, there's a stack of magazines there. Uh, maybe I'll look through those. No, who's touched those? What kind of germs are on those? Am I going to get the flu? So I sat there, but I didn't want to be on my phone anymore because I just did that for 30 minutes. And I'm, I'm looking around and I'm seeing what other people are doing. What are majority of people doing? You know. Huh? On their phone, doing the same thing I was doing. But they're doing it an hour now, two hours. I mean, they're just on their phone. They're wasting this time. It's boring. And I continue to look around and some people were having conversations. One lady was crocheting, so I guess that's being productive and doing something. Um, Probably for her grandkids or something. It was a little hat. Uh, but while we wait, while we're there, we're not, we're wasting our time, right? It's boring. It's lame. But then I, I think about, okay, well, what's it like waiting for a baby to come? What's it like as you prepare and get ready for a baby to come? You're active. You're getting the room ready. You're buying little stuffed animals and little dolls and blankets. Uh, you're painting the room pink or, or blue or now gray, I, I think is what everyone goes with. You're, and you're getting ready. You're building the crib, right? You're expecting this child to come and you're actively preparing yourself for this child to be here. And I look at these two examples and I, and I wonder what am I doing as I wait for Christ's return? Am I actively waiting, pursuing Christ, or am I wasting my time and not pursuing Christ? Am I wasting my time and pursuing other things that are going to fade away, that are going to waste 
that don't matter. Christ is going to return. Will you be ready? And we come to 1 Thessalonians where I'm going to spend all my time today. And we come in at the end of his letter, chapter 5, in verse 2. Paul, he, he shares this. He says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord is going to come and it's going to come like a thief in the night. The Lord is going to show up and we have no idea when it's going to be. Will you be ready? Will you be ready? So this morning, I want to ask you just three questions. Three simple questions. When Christ shows up, if he were to walk into that door right now, in 10 years, in 15 years, in 70 years, when Christ shows up, who will you be worshiping? What will you be doing? And how will you be waiting? When Christ shows up, who will you be worshiping? What will you be doing? And how will you be waiting? Let's pray. Father, I pray that that your word would go forth, that your truth would go forth from here this morning. Spirit, that you would move, that you would convict. Father, because so many of us, we turn to idols and we serve idols. We worship idols. But Father, I, I pray that your word, your truth, your spirit would convict us from that and that we would just turn to worship you. And in all our, all our life, we can fight. We can fight and we can persevere and we can continue to serve you. Father, and that we would just wait expectantly and joyfully in confidence for your return. Father, would you just speak, speak through me, through the members that are here today, through the people who are sitting in this room. We love you. Amen. So who will you be worshiping? First, I want to ask, and youth, you better respond. What is an idol? What is an idol? Yeah, yeah, something you cherish more than God, right? It's something that is higher in your life, a higher priority in your life than God. So it can be a person, an object, or an activity. An idol, it can be your job. It can be a vehicle, a car. It can be a relationship or um, a family member or your family. An idol, it can be sports. It can be pornography. It can be a sin. It can be sex. It can be addiction to alcohol and drugs. An idol can be the work you do for the Lord that consumes all your energy and time. In Genesis, we see, in Genesis in, in the beginning, we see that God, he made human beings in his image. And he made us to do two things. To worship him and to serve him. And then he made us to be over his creation and rule over his creation. And in Genesis 3, you said, instead, you see that, that humans, we rebelled against God. And we fell into sin. And in falling into sin, what we did and the result of that sin actually reversed that original intended order. And so instead of worshiping God and serving him and ruling over creation... We turned to sin, and we worshipped sin. We worshipped things of this world. We worshipped creation. And we allowed that creation to rule over us. 
And because we serve and worship creation instead of the creator, created, created things now have authority over us. And we're ruled by whatever it is we worship. So we come to 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10. Let's read it. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for, wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So Paul, he's talking to these believers here, these believers in Thessalonica. And we see that they have worshipped idols, that they turned from those idols. And so we, we look back into Acts 17, and before Acts 17, um, you think about the place of Thessalonica, where these people are from. And you, they, Thessalonica is 50, 50 miles south of Mount Olympus. Okay, what happens at Mount Olympus? What's at Mount Olympus? You guys know. Yeah, that's where the Greek gods live. So from their home, they can look out and see this mountain and say, that's where my God lives. He's right there. And I can create an image of him and I can put him on my mantle and I can worship him. I can, I can worship Zeus because he's, he's in the clouds right there. I can, I can worship Poseidon. I can worship Apollos. Because it, when I'm out fishing, I don't, I don't want the sea to consume me. I don't want to die. And so I'm going to worship him to keep me safe. And they've created these idols. They've worshipped these idols. The God of weather. The God of the sea. But these gods, they're not real. They're images that sat on their mantles, on their shelves, made by human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. They're not alive. They're dead. They aren't true. And they aren't living. In Acts, we, we follow into Acts 17, and these three dudes, Paul, Silas and Timothy, they come into Thessalonica and they show Thessalonica that, hey, you're worshiping these gods. Let me tell you about this true God. Let me tell you about the one living and true God. And they explain, hey, this, this Messiah that you have heard about in the Old Testament, it's actually Jesus Christ. This Messiah that is coming to redeem his people because sin has separated us from, from him is actually Jesus Christ. And the Thessalonian believers, they, they believed. And we see in, in verse 2 of chapter, I'm sorry, verse 5 of chapter 1, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. They brought the word to these people. They taught. They answered questions. They preached. In the Spirit, it moved and it convicted them that they were worshiping these idols and they weren't worshiping the one true and living God. So when Christ shows up, who will you be found worshiping? You and I, just like the Thessalonians, we're sinners. 
then we run to idols, we run to our sin, and it's a serious problem. And one day, God is going to return, and there's going to be a punishment. So the question is, are you going to take God's wrath, or did Jesus already take it for you? So when he returns at any moment, what will he find you worshiping? To help us get a grasp on maybe some things that we worship, because I'm talking about Zeus, Apollos, and Poseidon, and these images that are made out of wood that we've set on a mantle. And sometimes that's hard to relate to us on what idols do we have in our lives. So I'm going to ask you just a, a series of five questions. And as I'm asking you these questions, just think about your response. Think about Where you are going, what are you worshiping in this response? First one, is there anything more important to you than God? What sin do you run to the most? Is there anything you seek to give you what only God can give you? Where are you finding comfort? Where are you finding security? Where are you finding value? What makes you angry when it's taken away from you? It's a pretty good picture of what your idol is. Where do you run to when you're angry, when you're tired, when you're sad, when you just had a long day, you go home? What do you want to consume? Where do you go? Think about these in your own life. And we all have areas in our own life that we put above God. Do these show you what you are worshiping? And maybe your answer to all those, maybe it was God. Praise the Lord. And I pray that you continue to persevere and you continue to walk in faith and fight that fight. But for others of us, the answer wasn't God. And here's the thing. We cannot worship multiple things. There is only one living and true God. And so there's only room for one God. Who is God over your life? Who are you worshiping if he were to return today? Peter says in Second Peter that the Lord is patient towards you and doesn't wish for anyone to perish, but that all should reach repentance. All should turn from their sin. So this morning... This morning is the time. The Lord can return at any moment. He can walk in that door. What are you worshiping? Where are you going? What are you running to other than God? Will it be your job? Your family? Will it be you find worth and value in, in controlling everything and being comfortable in situations, approval for man, fear of man, pornography, the list can go on and on and on. Or will it be God? See, God's plan in the fall in Genesis was to restore his creation, to redeem his people. It's the story of the Bible. And we come to the New Testament and we see that his plan is in action. Jesus comes back and he dies for our sin and he dies for our idols. See, the punishment was was given to Jesus. Jesus' blood was shed 
for our sin, for our idol worship, and he has taken that wrath. And now those who believe that when Jesus comes back, we won't receive that wrath. And we can worship and serve God, not having sin rule over us. Because one day he's going to return and it's going to be perfect worship and perfect serving. See, to turn from our idols, we simply just need to repent. That's what turn means, to repent. We ask God for forgiveness and, and we tell him, Lord, I'm sorry, I've put other things in front of you. I've put other things before you. I've worshiped other things. But then we praise him. We turn and we serve and we praise him for what he's done by sending his son to die for our sin against him. And we do this over and over again, right? We fall, we fall, we fail. But we continue to turn and we continue to point ourselves towards Christ to serve him. And that brings us to our next question. When Jesus shows up, what will you be doing? So we turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Turn from idols to serve God. God. Paul, he, he's stressing that once the, the Thessalonian believers turn from their idols and turn to God, they serve him, the living and true God, the only God. They are no longer serving these dead idols, no longer serving these idols that can't do anything. But now they're serving the living God, the real God, not some shadowy figure, not some wooden object or some unreal object or some object that's going to fade away or some relationship that's going to fade away. John Stott, he says of this verse, to claim to turn to God from idols is manifestly bogus if it does not result in serving the God to whom we have turned. We are turning away from our old life and turning to a new life of service. We could say that, is, that it is an exchange of one slavery to another. So long as we add that the new slavery is real freedom. Are you chained to your sin? Are you chained to that idol? Or has Christ broken that chain? And now you can turn to worship him, to serve him in all that you do. The word here, serve, it also translates as a slave, as a bondage. That we were once enslaved to idols, serving, their, serving our sin, and now renewed in Christ, seeing the beauty of righteousness as more attractive. See, the Thessalonian believers, they have become enslaved to God, set free from their sin, from their idols. So what will we be doing when Christ shows up? Will we be enslaved to our sin? Will we be serving our sin? Will we be bound to it because it's bringing us temporary pleasure? Or will we see the beauty of righteousness in Christ and serve him in everything we do. There is freedom in serving Christ. There is freedom in slavery to him. So what does it look like to practically serve God while we wait? 
right? As we grow in our relationship with him, we turn from our idols, we're walking, and what does he give us? He gives us his word, which is his instruction. And so we pray, we ask for wisdom, we run to God's word because he's given us instruction. He's given us commands on how to live a godly life. And so we go and we eat it up. And yeah, we're going to fall, we're going to fail, but we run back, we return, and we say, God, yes, this is how you've called me to live. Yes, God, thank you for your faithfulness. Yes, God, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your wisdom and your, and your guidance. And we continue to turn and we continue to walk. So we pray and we read the Bible. And as we read the Bible, we ask, what does this teach me about God? And what does this teach me about how I should live? What command is here? God, what are you telling me about yourself? And yeah, there's, there's black and white issues. This is sin. Don't do this. And then there's gray areas. But we continue. We pray. We ask for wisdom. We seek godly counsel. We go to God's word and we learn and we grow and, and, and we walk in godliness. And then lastly, we turn we have turned from our idols to God to serve him, and now we wait. We wait. Who felt fear when I just said that? We wait. The Thessalonians, they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So how does Christ coming back affect your waiting? Is he going to catch you sleeping? Not physically, spiritually. Is he going to catch you sleeping? See, there's a, an action here in waiting. We are walking to obey God, to serve him. We're turning from our sin. But in the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, I notice that Paul, he mentions two more things that we do while we wait. And I love it. And I think it speaks so so well into our lives. At the end of him just saying, hey, Christ is going to come back. We don't know when. We don't know the hour. He's going to come like a thief in the night. At the end of that, he says in chapter 5, verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Continue to do that. Paul, he ends that section with those words. He says, keep doing it. But I had to think, why do you think Paul is saying that? Why do you think he ended that way? Why do I need to encourage someone and build others up in light of Christ's return? I think there's two things. First, the world is a mean and ugly place right? You are going to turn from sin to walk in obedience, and the world's going to laugh at you. You're going to turn from sin and walk in obedience, and the world is going to make fun of you. The world is ugly and mean, and they do not believe in the same things that you believe in. So what are they going to do? They're going to act out. They're going to persecute you. We must expect it. So Paul, he says, encourage one another, care for one another, help each other as the world persecutes us. Continue to build one another up. Continue to point them to Christ. 
continue to preach the gospel to one another because Christ is going to come. We know who God is. We know what Christ has done. He is good. He is faithful. I can persevere. I continue this race. But then I I also think there's that idea of fear. Christ is going to walk in that door. Ooh. Right now. Is my life ready? Have I turned from my idols? Am I serving him? Am I worshiping him? And so, so Paul is saying, hey, your fellow um, believers, your fellow brothers and sisters, they're going to fear after hearing this. They're going to be scared that Christ is going to come back. So what do you do? You encourage them and you love them and you care for them. And you preach the gospel to them. And what I love about this is is Paul is commanding every believer to do this. He's not just saying, hey, Tracy, come up here and you just encourage people. You just care for people. He's not just saying for me to come up here and do what I'm doing. He's not saying for Jared to come up here and just do it with the youth or, or, or encourage everyone. He's not just saying for the elders to do it for the church. He's saying you as a believer, you must encourage one another. You must care for one another. You must continue to point each other back to Christ. We must continue to preach the gospel to one another. We must continue to cast, show them where that fear is cast out and where our hope is. As believers, knowing Christ's return, we must continually care for one another, pointing one another towards Christ, sharing the gospel with each other. And then we see here that the believers, they wait. They wait in confidence. They wait in confidence. At At the end of this whole letter, Paul, he prays, and he prays for the believers in Thessalonica. And we get to verse 23 through 24. And he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Christ is coming and we must be confident in his return. We must be confident. Why? Because Paul, he knows. This is what he writes about. You see it in every single letter he writes. He has faith. He knows that the Lord is faithful, that he is going to complete the work that he's doing in you. As you turn from your idols, as you turn to God, as you walk, as you serve him, as you wait for his return, God is continually, as you read your Bible, as you pray, God is continually giving you wisdom, helping you, And you may fall, you may fail, but we can get back up. We can encourage one another. We can walk with one another, teaching the gospel to one another. And we have confidence because Christ is going to finish the work that he started there. The Spirit had convicted us of our sin, of our idols, and now we can continue to walk and we can have hope and faith because one day he's coming back. One day he's coming back and there won't be any more pain. There won't be any more suffering. There won't be any more mourning. 
and we will see him face to face and we'll be able to talk with him. We'll be able to walk alongside of him, have conversations with him, just like it was in the beginning of Genesis. How amazing is that? We can expect that that day is coming and we can be confident in his return. But for some of us, it's still scary. Why? Because you're worshiping these things. You're worshiping these things that are going to fade away when Christ returns. We can be confident that he is going to complete the work that he has started in us. Paul, he encourages his believers, these believers in Thessalonica, to press on. To press on until Christ returns. To actively wait. To encourage one another. Be confident that one day Christ will come. See, God, he has not given up. He is still here. He is still with you. You may be like, well, I pray to him. I don't hear from him. Pray. Continue to pray. Come to God's word. Come talk to me. What's distracting you from hearing from God? What idols are there? What sin is there? Paul says, stay encouraged. Don't give up. So when Jesus shows up, I pray that you will be worshiping Jesus. You will be serving Jesus. And you will be waiting with confidence, encouraging, and caring for one another. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your son, who we know one day is going to show up. Father, I thank you for your word, which we know we can run to, we can learn from, that you will give us wisdom on on how to walk in godliness. Spirit, I pray that you would convict us. Convict us of the sins that we're running to when we're angry. Convict us of the sins where we're going when we're, we're tired or we're, we're sad. Convict us of, of the idols that we're putting in front of you, and the, where, the things we're running to to worship instead of you. Father, there's people in this room who, who are living for you, who are walking in obedience. Father, I pray that they would stay confident, expecting your return, that they would continue in the fight, that they would persevere. But I know there are some in this room this morning, Father, who are worshiping idols, who are running to things other than you, who are not walking in obedience, who are not serving you, and are fearful of your return. Spirit, I pray that you would convict them. That they would go to your word and see that it is true. That they would hear the words coming out of my mouth and and hear that that is true. Father, would they just... Would they just pray to you and say, Father, I, I am sorry for worshiping other things above you. I am sorry for putting other things above you. Father, you are the one true and living God. 
Father, I believe in your son Jesus and I believe in what he's done for me. That he came and he lived a perfect life and and he died on the cross for my sins. But then he defeated death. He conquered death. Father, revealing to me that that he has the power to forgive. He has the power to conquer and, and kill my sin. And I believe in him and I believe in what he's done. And so, Father, would you just guide me and help me as I now am turning to walk in obedience and to serve you? Father, give me confidence in your return. I look forward to that day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.